Hey, you're listening to Spotlights by PSNYPG. Join me for thought-provoking, career-shaping conversations ranging from career advice in and out of pharma, life stories, and everything in between in the company of exceptional pharmacists who are thriving in their careers. If you're looking to develop your ultimate pharmacy career playbook, this is the show you should be listening to. My name is Nelson and I am delighted to be your host. Subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts to stay updated. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Spotlight from PSNYPG. This is episode 8 and once again I have a very, very special guest. Um, thank you for listening to all our other episodes. You can go back to those episodes, share them, and um, so other people can find it and really get to see what we're doing and how it can actually improve their careers as young pharmacists and young professionals generally. So today, I will be speaking to pharmacist Bonnie Iluque. She is the founder and managing director of Medgevac Pharmaceuticals Limited. Medvac is an indigenous coaching distribution company specializing in vaccines and biologicals, insulins, and very recently, oncology medications. And like always, I never like to do the introductions for our guests on this podcast. I expect and I appreciate when they do it themselves because I believe they do it better. So Mark, to start with, we like to start from three words you would just say you you can describe yourself with just three words integrity integrity is very important to me um friendship and perseverance integrity friendship and perseverance i know this was putting you on the spot and <laughs> it <that> certainly <laughs> was and that is what happens with every single person that is on the show because almost everybody gets taken aback with that first question but I like the fact that it's always spontaneous and it kind of speaks to who that person really is because you don't really have to think about what you really are and integrity, friendship, perseverance I can say I've seen all that and we might just be able to see that when we go through your journey so First off, um, we like to start from the beginning. So, if you can tell us a bit about your background, you can go as far back in time as possible. <laughs> Thank you. Well, so in the beginning, <laughs> so yes, beginning for me was um, being homeschooled. Like I remember my very first day at school, and that was because I was five years old. I was homeschooled till I was five by my mom, who was a te- who was a teacher. And um, yeah, primary school, secondary school was Holy Child, university was Ife, pharmacy in Ife was tough, I must say. And then, um, yes, I came out, worked for a good number of years and went back to school to do an MBA at um, Lagos Business School. 
Okay, so that's an educational background. Uh, all right, great. So, um, would you be able to tell us, are, are there any parts of your childhood that might have kind of like affected your choice of education going forward? Because being homeschooled means that your mother, your family might, must have kind of like had a bit of an influence in terms of what you decided to do and kind of like how your interest might have developed. Um, well, one thing I knew for sure was I like the sciences. I was clearly a science student. There was no negotiation. I wasn't going to be arts. It had to be science. And, um, well, my father kind of... Oh, oh, yes, my uncle, my dad's brother stayed with us. And he was... He is a geologist. So we, we kind of bonded because we were the only two that spoke the same science language. And I knew I didn't want to do geology. I knew it had to be... It was going to be medicine or pharmacy. And... Um, yeah, pharmacy one. <laughs> <laughs> pharmacy one, okay, great. Pharmacy one. So you mentioned pharmacy in Ife was tough. So I really want to understand, uh, were there memorable moments you take back from your time in pharmacy school <laughs> and how it might have kind of like shaped you moving well, forward? Well, one thing I remember for sure is our first professional year in pharmacy school, the lecturer walked in, took a look at all of us and said, oh, this is a large class. But anyway, not a problem. It's a within year. <laughs> yes. I remember that so well. And I just told myself, I said, but then, no more parties. <laughs> Certainly no more parties. <laughs> and um, I, knew that, I knew immediately that pharmacy was no joke. I mean, you have to be serious. And so, wow. yes. <laughs> That, that was that I, I fell into line. <laughs> exactly. <Straight. laughs> that was a very shaping experience. I, I feel like for, for a lot of us, we most likely had one lecturer that was always like that. So I think <laughs> well, we had quite a lot. <laughs> but then again, we had some really good, really good lecturers. And um, I don't know, for some reason, my lecturers also felt that I was quite spoiled by my classmates. <laughs> It's, it's all right, great. So you said no more parties. So it means there's a side of you that <laughs> kind of like was into the party in general. Oh, yes. You, you can just give us a bit okay. No, my first year in union, I think I was still trying to understand. I, I was trying to um, balance being a party girl and being a pharmacy party. student. And um, obviously, being a pharmacy student, one. <laughs> no, definitely, because then, those words will definitely be in mind. I remind you, you're in pharmacy school and you need to do something about it. So, um, we can now move on to after pharmacy school um, and then how your progression might have been. But before we go into what your progression was like, I want to understand for now, in terms of the graduates you've seen pharmacy school churn, churn out, what do you think, um, in your opinion, life after pharmacy school looks like for them in comparison to what it was like for you when you came out? Um, well, for when we came out, it was, I think most people wanted to work in the industry because you got a car. Okay. So, yeah, for most people, they wanted to work in the industry, but there were some people like me, I was always a community pharmacist because I came out and I did my internship in Bola Chemist and I enjoyed it so much and right after NYSE I went back to Bola Chemist and that was the foundation of my 
professional career. Yes, so and I really looked up to my boss, Mrs. Oluremi Onosaya, of blessed memory. And she she put me through what retail pharmacy really was, you know, is and I thoroughly enjoyed being a community pharmacist under her tutelage and I still enjoy being a community pharmacist. Okay, and well, like you said, for pharmacists coming out of pharmacy school now, I think there's a whole lot more that they, they can do. I mean, for us, it was community, hospital, academia, and um, you worked in the industry. But now there's a lot in between and outside of that. Yeah. You know, there's so much, there's a, a whole lot more content than we had then. And there's a whole lot more options than we had. All right, great. So now you've talked about coming out right out of the battle of pharmacy school. It was Bola Chemist, community pharmacy. After NYC, you did come back to community pharmacy. Mm -hmm. During NYC, what, what was it like then? Was it, wh what sector did you actually go into in terms of NYC? Um, NYC was, it was good because I went out of my comfort zone. I, I went off to the east to do my my service and I worked in a company called Starline. Starline had, um, they had a retail pharmacy, they had a community pharmacy, they also had, they also manufactured. So yes, I got a, a feel a and a tasty experience of both of them. Oh, both right. retail and also manufacturing. Okay, but, but then it means, just like you said, in terms of choices earlier, Pharmacy, medicine, pharmacy one. So manufacturing, community yeah. practice, community practice one. one. <laughs> All right, great. So there seems to kind of like have been a pivot after Ebola chemist. You did start something. Yes. No. After Ebola chemist. Well, yes. I after Ebola chemist, I went to. I did my MBA. Okay. Yes. Lagos Business School and why you went another to top <laughs> another top yeah why I went to the MBA was a, was a funny story I had three young children I think they were like between maybe one and about four or five years old and I had a lot of energy and my husband said you have too much energy <laughs> go and channel that energy somewhere and he says, you go and do an MBA. And I said, oh, okay, yeah. He just done an MBA. And I thought, oh, that's tough. And he said, I said, okay, yeah, I'll do it. And he said, no. I said, we're Estuit. And he said, no, 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 not Estuit. LBS. And I was like, what? LBS? Are you sure? Can I do it? But again, <laughs> I, I did read past the exams. And that was it. And um, LBS was a, about entrepreneurship. Business and being an entrepreneur. And... I think again that kind of gave me a channel that this is what I want to do so right after I actually started on my own during my MBA and after my MBA I knew definitely vaccines was <laughs> where I want to play so MBA and then you were actually going into entrepreneurship, you were not seeing things that you wanted to create things, right? But then vaccines, how, how did that tie in? How did, I, how did vaccines, vaccines come into the come mix? Into okay. <coughs> so, while I was in Bola Chemist, me and Baker came into Nigeria with 
they were already in Nigeria, but they came. They brought um, Sanofi Pasteur vaccines into Nigeria. And to be honest, I really didn't fully understand what it was about. And then my friend and um, sister, Cleo Mache, now actually put me through it a bit more and said, oh, well, I'm starting this company. Would you want to work with me? And I said, oh, well, I'm probably traveling out of Nigeria. I may be going to live in South Africa, but I ended up not going to live in South Africa. And she said to me again, you didn't go to South Africa. Do you want us to do this together? And I thought, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's do it. And it's a totally new world of pharmacy. And um, I found again that I thoroughly enjoy it. <laughs> enjoy it. And um, yes, vaccines, immunology, vaccination. I think I breathe and um, leave <laughs> vaccines now. Oh, oh, all right, great. So, um, like I mentioned, you kind of like had found entrepreneurship. You had now found vaccines. And then you are now within the space where <clears throat> it's new. And then it's relatively something you have to build up build, yeah, in terms build. of people even accepting, people understanding to start with. So how did that process go, go about? How were you able to navigate that, that, that process? Um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was tough. It's enjoyable because you have to enlighten people. You have to let them understand that vaccines are a bit different from normal pharmaceuticals because it's based on trust, it's based on integrity. Whereas with normal pharmaceuticals, I have a headache and um, you take paracetamol, paracetamol and, and you expect to get better. But this time you're telling somebody who is perfectly normal that you need to take this so you remain normal and well and you don't get you didn't get a disease and is wondering why would I have it in the first place anyway and so it's a it's a different it's a bit different because here you know you're educating people and you're telling them why they should take it's more of preventive health than than um, our normal practice and it's um, it's it's a niche area it's capital intensive we were not taught a lot about vaccines in school. I don't even think we we knew in our days we were, it was um, a topic. No, it wasn't. So it, it's new and I'm glad that it's not so new anymore because obviously the that ecosystem is really it's opening up now. It's really opening up now and a whole lot more people know about it. But the glad thing is we have the first mover advantage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so in terms of all that vaccines and then entrepreneurship, so how did Medvac Pharmaceuticals come about? How, how did it start again? Because you were actually working there, right? And then you you had already gained that experience from Bola Chemist. You're now in vaccines. You kind of like started up something also. I don't know if you're able to shed, shed some more light into that. But then we can now finally dive into our Medvac. Okay, yeah, so it was Vaxifam and I managed it for about 12 years and then again after a while I thought, oh yeah, why don't you go back to community? 
and because I still have this love for love vaccines and community. Yeah. So I now decided that, you know what, why don't you do both? And that is how the name MedVac Med. came about. So medicines vaccines. and vaccines. Yeah. <laughs> and that is how MedVac Okay, so yes, out. so now we have three community pharmacies and we're still doing vaccines, so, still distributing vaccines oh, all right. and I, coaching products. I, I, I won't want you to say, I won't want you to pick one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> but I'm sure you know which one would be. <laughs> I, I was tempted to, but you <laughs> said no, we, we will leave it at, at that. So. You mentioned another thing while you were speaking about um, being in the vaccine space and then it's been capital intensive and getting to start, getting to get people buying and stuff. Mm. How were you able to also navigate that? How were you able to kind of like start up when you started? And what are some of the challenges that you might have faced then? And even you can also speak to some that still exist because in the vaccine space, there still are a lot of challenges. Mm presently okay um, let me let me t- talk about the infrastructure vaccines are cold chain products they have to stay within the temperature yeah. range we know what um, electricity constant electric in fact there's I can't say we know there's what no. there is no constant electricity <laughs> so we have we have to run our gen we have to run we have an inverter, we are moving into solar, we have to have a cold room. In fact, just maintaining 24-hour power supply alone is a challenge, but we have to do it. So, And then um, in terms of staffing, typically if you would have people who have worked in retail pharmacy and... Um, you know, both the pharmacist and your support staff. But with vaccines, you you have to groom people, you have to Infection train them. people, and yes. So, so if one person leaves, it's not very easy to get a replacement because you would have to train. So that's um, in terms of human resources. Then in terms of, um, would I say marketing now? What we've always, a lot of hospitals are a bit skeptical about starting vaccines. Some people then just tell you outright, no, we don't believe in it. It's um, autism. It was there, MMR was linked to autism. We don't believe in it. And I call myself a vaccine evangelist. <laughs> I think I stole that term too. <laughs> because I sometimes call myself that now. <laughs> So I call myself a vaccine evangelist and if you know what an evangelist does then you would understand what I do but this time I do it for vaccines. So yes, we go out there and try to convince people. We hold some organizations are actually afraid to start or we don't have power supply. I give them a promise of within 24 hours you would get your product if you're outside of Lagos. Within Lagos you get your product in 3-4 hours max. So yes, you don't need to worry about power supply. You will get your products there in time to administer. So all you need to do is give us notice and we would ensure. We would hold your hands. We would carry you through the process until you're strong enough to stand on your own. 
right, so um, also in terms of starting, I don't know if you're able to share what it was like at that time in terms of being able to raise the financial investment that's required to start because you've talked about this is not something small, it's something of a huge magnitude <laughs> to be able to say you want to do something that is standard, that is quality, and then you can also still ensure that the products people get from you are, 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 are still with the retained integrity. Okay, well, I guess I must confess when we started, we started small. But you know what they say, start small, think, think, think big. big. <laughs> so I, I guess that was, um, that was our motto then. And um, we didn't start with a cold room. We started with, we started with fridges, but we were monitoring the temperature of the fridges. We didn't start with a massive 40, 50 kVA generator. We started with a 10 kVA generator and a small inverter to support our generator. And yes, but I guess when you play in a niche market, it also helps you grow because you are not competing on price. You're competing on service and you're competing with, I mean, you're, you're working with integrity. You're telling people about the cold chain maintenance is come and they see that the products are indeed, you, you deliver with the cold chain maintained. We haven't had any issues of, um, anybody coming to say that um, there was any adverse reaction or, or no sorry I, I, I had um, I, I had um, hepatitis after taking that no we haven't had anything like that yet. so all of that put together helped grow the business and I am proud to say we were able to grow the business organically so uh, I, I, one of the reasons why I ask that question is because most of the times when people see businesses that are big <coughs> and gigantic companies, um, a lot of times we think um, you need like all the resources in the world ready. But one thing you've said now is the fact that the ability to be humble to start as small as possible mm -hmm. even when you're not sure of what the outcome will mm -hmm. be because you're in a space mm -hmm. where it's even a bit more difficult to play based on you have so much more work to do in getting people's buying getting to understand that you're not even investing in staff that is coming to work for you will all those things pay off and all that so it, it, it's great to see um Another thing I would want to kind of like look at again now is I'm still going down back to the time where it's still small size, right? And how it was or how you were able to say, these are the kind of people I'm looking to recruit or these are the kind of people I would recruit to join my team. Because you have said it's really important to have people who are somewhat loyal because yeah. you don't want to invest in a staff and then in the end you have to part ways mm -hmm. and things like that. So how were you able to walk through that? Was it business school knowledge or...? Um, funny enough, okay, I wouldn't, <coughs> I wouldn't say I, I mean, staff haven't left. Yes, staff haven't. Yeah, but I'm, I can also say I've had loyal staff who stayed with me for a very long time and who are still with me. And um, I think one of the things I learned in business school was not how would I put it it's not always to look at the technical part but the other things 
I mean, some people find it funny when I'm interviewing and I say, what, where do you come in the family? What number are you? And they say, oh, I'm number one. And in my mind, I say, oops. <laughs> oops in that, oh boy, this person has a lot of responsibility. But when they say, oh, okay, I'm, um, well, I have three older brothers and a sister, I'm like, okay. Hmm. That person will be under so much financial pressure but then again the economy right now <laughs> puts, puts <laughs> everybody <laughs> okay and then the, the other things I look at um, when I interview people and it, for instance if I'm interviewing a pharmacist I'm not going to say oh, okay so this man came in I give a, a scenario and I expect yes that works as well but there are other things for me for me personally that's more important. I tell you, there was a day I was interviewing a pharmacist and um, I had a few interviews and while he was on the shop floor waiting for me to call him in, he just got up and started attending to patients. And I thought, oh, this, it, it, it actually blew my mind because other people will just sit, sit back down. and watch. But this guy just got up and just started attending to people and I thought, well, needless to say, he won. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I think most of the times now when people talk about the future of work, we're talking about soft skills, yeah. being able to take initiative, critical thinking yeah. and things around that. And it looks like that's kind of like is what you're looking for oh, when you're actually staffing. And okay, great. And that, that must be something that's kind of like pleasing back into how it affects the business. It does. It does. It does. It definitely does. It definitely does. Okay. So um, I think another thing we might want to look at again now is community practice in Nigeria and then some of the challenges in and around it, which will come from, I think, say just like the same way we have it in in the in the issues with you have to educate people in vaccines and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, were those challenges also present when you were starting out and with community? Yes. Um, I say a bit of both. Now, unfortunately, most times the universities are on strike. So I've had um, I've had pharmacists who, for instance, didn't know what trimetoprim was or the dosage, or that you have to take a lot of water. But then again, there are also young pharmacists that are fresh out of school and have new things to teach me, just as I have to teach them. So for me, most times it's a win-win situation because I learn from them, they learn from me. They teach me technology, I teach them. I teach them pharmacy, and then so it's a good blend at the end of the day. Okay, so, so you would say just like there's friendship, so that means collaboration is something you are very big on, and that is really important in the it's team dynamics. Okay, so um, that takes me into something else, and I like the fact that you mentioned technology. So a lot of things are happening with technology in the technology space it's, now. I <laughs> know. Tell me about it. <laughs> 
a lot of young people are building startups. You even find them eighteen-year-olds building companies and things like that. So, what kind of like is your perspective around um, technology generally, and how you think it might kind of like shape the both industries you're in, community pharmacy now, and then even in the space of vaccines and all that around it. We already see it. We see it happening. We see the apps coming up. Calva. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Calva. <laughs> there are lots of apps coming up, and um, even in both in the vaccine space and community pharmacy, technology for me is the way. It's not even. We are even beyond the way forward. Is the way to the destination, and the destination just keeps. Um, how do I put it? There's um, this Japanese term, Kaizen. You just never get there. It just keeps improving and improving and improving. My fear, my personal fear, is don't get left behind. But I don't get left behind. So, yes, I find I'm constantly struggling to keep up with technology. But once you think you've gotten there, then something new comes up. You know. So, again, for me, there was something... There was some interview, it was the chairman of HSBC, and this was about like 15, 20 years ago. And he said something, he said, people always think, oh, I'm brilliant. I'm not brilliant. I just surround myself with brilliant Brilliant people. people. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, I went away with that, and I have to surround myself with Gen Z's. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I, I know that, right? Um, So... A follow-up question would have been, would, is there the fear of being disrupted by technology? But you might have answered it, but then if you can still maybe throw a bit more light. Technology will definitely disrupt. It will, it is, and it definitely will. And for me, the thing is, don't get left behind. You cannot afford to get left behind. Because technology is, it's a reality and it's there, it's a reality, it will happen, it is happening. So you just cannot afford to get left behind. It's like, for me, it's like COVID. Whoever thought COVID was going to happen, COVID was going to affect the world as it is. And some, initially I was thinking, oh, we'll go back to what, it, what we were, what the world was. But it's obvious the world is not going back there. So we need to catch up with the world where it is. And that's, I think, I think that's the same with technology. Oh, okay, great. And besides, it makes your life easier. <laughs> <laughs> and it does improve, it improves your business. I, I, I quite agree because that kind of like is always the aim of every technology in terms of being able to kind of make processes easier, make things just happen a bit more faster and then get them do those things out of the way. So we've talked about technology, we've talked about okay, young people are doing great things, but still there's the need of that core in terms of, for example, say young people are trying to build things, they're trying to kind of like show how much they can do. What exactly would you say would be the best thing for young people to do, for example, as starting out companies and things like that? Where should they kind of like be focusing when they're starting out? 
in terms of how the company needs to move, how the company needs to grow, especially when it's now, we're talking about healthcare, you've talked about integrity, you've talked about quality and things around that. Where exactly should be the focus and how should that approach be for young people? Mm, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a tough one. Well, um, from my experience, for young people, I would say, look at where the old people missed it. Look at, look at where they missed it, and then look for the gaps, and try to fill those gaps. Again, I would give, I would give an example of COVID. Prior to COVID, we were happy to go out and pick up something in the store. Now, young people don't go out; they order in. <laughs> I've gotten to realize that that they order in. So you will have to build your business around that knowing that i mean probably 70 percent of the people you will meet would order in but then again there's still the there's still the 20 percent out there and for instance and let me give you uh, okay so about a month ago or so i was in a store and i was wondering how this old woman of probably about 80 something was going to how she's coping and I thought I mean if this 80 year old or 89 year old woman is in America where everything is changing you you don't even have anybody to man the till anymore you do yourself check out how is this woman going to cope so we're going back to what we're talking about if you are starting up something you still need to consider those people because they are still part of society and they are probably not going to catch up yeah. with technology so you still need to factor them in and factor while you're factoring the greater I mean the larger, larger population who can and who understand technology so what I'm trying to say <coughs> sorry is to get a fair a fair balance or both. So you're serving everybody in society, or you're doing your best to serve everybody in society. Which, for instance, what I say is, um, like in community pharmacy, you might want to play on the high end, you know what I mean, high end products, but then you also have to realize that it's not everybody who walks into your pharmacy okay. that can afford it. So you need to cater for those people. I hope that helps. Yeah, yeah, and I think to just sum it up, I, I correct me if I'm wrong. So it's mm. looking now like when you're building, when you're starting out, when you're doing something, you build with empathy. Yeah, I would say that. Yes. And that kind of like has to be the core in terms of your factoring in every single person and leaving no one behind because uh, yeah. that kind of like is what healthcare is generally. So we've talked about we talked about challenges and things around that before. Mm. So I think we can talk about some of the wins that you might have seen through your career. Are there things that were kind of like very high moments that might have kind of like affected 
how a lot of things moved on in, in the future. Let me think. Okay. <laughs> yeah, talk about a high moment. I remember when we moved here. We were somewhere behind Zenith Bank in VI and suddenly my landlady says to me, Oh, you have to move out. Why does that happen to <laughs> Why? What did I do? I said, just move out. And in desperation, we moved into this space. And I thought, what am I going to do with all of this space? I'm glad to say this space is now not enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, did I lose my... Yeah, so um, what were we talking no, about? We're talking about wins, right? And I like yes. the fact that you actually pointed a challenge that mm. became a win. And that speaks a lot to yeah. the person, but I'm allowing you to be calibrated <laughs> and then go over and take it. Okay, so, so, so that was it. And I thought, and yeah, I now remembered oh, all my LBS, return on equity, return on investment, return on asset. And I thought, Okay, this is the time to prove that I have an MBA. And I, I looked at this huge space we have and I said, well, you have to, your, your return on equity and on asset more would, would have to be good, you know. So it just told me more, told me that you had to do a lot more. It actually pushed me. Um, I remember when I thought, okay, now how do we really push because we started and I wasn't really getting the traction I wanted so then I now took a whatsapp message we sent out a whatsapp message and we talked about integrity and the integrity of cold chain integrity of your vaccines and the response we got to that day <laughs> we all started running around trying to do all the deliveries we had all the logistics you know and I guess it was, it was exciting because he told me that, well, maybe then we, we started with WhatsApp and that was technology. That was actually digital marketing <laughs> at its peak. Yeah. <laughs> Who was doing digital marketing there? And, you know, and we were all laughing and we were all cheering each other. And, and then there was something else we said, oh, well, well I mean, for every small um, achievement, we would cheer ourselves up, you know, and I found out that it really encouraged, it encouraged, yes, it encouraged the team, it encouraged me, it encouraged all of us. So, is it safe to say that kind of like would be one of your proudest moments as managing director? Yeah, I, I, I was actually quite proud. <laughs> is there another one? <laughs> because that would have been a follow-up question in terms of what, what, was your proud, what has been your proudest moment, but... Um, another proud moment is, um, you, you know, sometimes we have international companies come to audit us. I remember the first time we were audited by GSK and I thought, oh, I had everything in place. I was so proud of myself. I was talking down at them and then I got the audit report and I was so deflated. I was like, what? You mean I didn't pass this audit? And so I told myself, I said, the next audit, I'm going to give it to them. And I'm glad to say that we've passed every, because they audit us every year or every two years, and we have other people come to audit. I'm glad to say that 
we've passed all the other audits. So yes. <laughs> that, that, that would be very fast to say, okay, they, they always come. Oh, I can trust that Medvac will <laughs> definitely stay up with quality. So I think it brings me to yet another thing. One thing someone said recently that resonated with me, <clears throat> and we spoke about it even a bit more, Dr. Pramat Singh. He said, um, quality does not scale, but quantity is what scales. So you would definitely have to set up the quality bar right from the get-go. Is that the same case for you? And how do you ensure that that quality bar stays where it is in terms of the way people work? Because you can't do all the work, definitely. You, your team needs to do the work, but how are you able to set that quality bar, keep it at the place it is, and continue to maintain it? I think... Um I won't speak too much um, business school English. I think it's people see you and want to do what you do. I think you try to make little clones of yourself and um, teach. Some people say you are old school, but I find out that old school works most times with a little bit of uh, <laughs> surrounding you <laughs> I think that's a perfect formula old school uh, surrounded by Gen Z's I think that's uh, that's uh, but for me that's a formula that has worked okay have a dynamic mix and then also ensure that you're able to put those values, values yes. in other people that work with you so um, another thing I always try to find out is relationships and how because for an organization to be able to do as much as you do and do well you really need to build relationships when you started you talked about friendship really, yeah. and so can you speak to some of that and how um, probably some relationships that might have helped catalyze your journey moved you from point A to point B and stuff around yeah that. I'm big on relationships I, but I didn't realize I was that big on relationships until I was living, when I was living Vaxifam and there, were, there was a send forth and one of the ladies said, ah, Mrs. Ilukwe, there's nobody you ask her for. She just picks up her phone and she's the network It was then I realized that mm, I do have quite a lot, a lot of contacts on my phone. And um, but now I need somebody in Nepal. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope someone that knows somebody in Nepal is listening. I hope so, please. <laughs> yeah. So yes, I, I'm big on relationships, and um, I also find out that it does work if if you've known somebody what 15, 20 years, and um, in in my in my business in Medvac, there's times things happen and things don't quite go right and I just tell my team that okay let me let me call I will call the managing director I'll call from this person or I'll call doctor that person and most times it it helps it works because there's that relationship is there there's, it's there for you to fall back on so um, follow up would be how do you go about building these relationships because not everybody you, you can't just pick up your phone and then just call someone there has to have 
actually have been something that you did to build that bond mm. to start with. So how do you go about building relationships and especially long-lasting relationships? In, in terms of work, it's just it's visits. Visits, I think you, you need to be humble because it's some, some people don't <laughs> some people are not interested in in friendship they just say i won't say it's not a friend you know but you your patient perseverance i mean when someone someone doesn't really want your friendship you just you try and understand people and know when they don't want a friend they want service and you offer service and if you offer service and offer service and offer service, after a while, people will realize that, hmm, I think I can find a friend in here. Yeah. And then I think, just like you said, if you're able to keep up with quality, keep up integrity, people will kind of like even yeah. want to associate with you and you can get to be close to you. Um, in the, when we talked about Powder's movement and things around that, you had kind of like talked about challenges, right? But I want to understand, has there been anything that looked like a break point where you were kind of stretched to your limits in terms of running the company from when you started? When the good stuff lives. <laughs> when the good stuff lives, I feel really, really, really bad when I lose a good stuff, either to another company or to Jaqua. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a big discourse in Nigeria now. So maybe it might still be a good time to... Are there anything you might want to share around Jaqua? What, what, what do you think about it in the whole broad sense of it? Mm. To be honest, I... I can't say I blame people for wanting a better life, but what better life, better experience, but what I say is be sure you have a plan B before you japa. Be sure you have a plan B, plan C, and possibly a plan D, which is come back home. <laughs> because really we can't, we can't build what we want here if we are all over there. Because nobody's going to do it for us. We have to do it and we have to get it right for ourselves. So, invariably, if you're out there, you want Nigeria to be better, you want Africa to be better, you might not be able to do it from afar. You might need to be on the ground to build that thing you want. So, Invariably, again, you're saying the grass is not necessarily greener on the other side. It's not necessarily greener on the other side. It's definitely not necessarily greener on the other side. Alright, so um, I think we're kind of like tailing towards the end now. And one thing I want to find out is right from when you started your career and then moving on, it seems you have done, you've always done things you loved. <laughs> So would you, I asked a lot of people this and most of the times people say they wouldn't change anything but would there be anything you would say you would have liked to change with your journey? The one thing I would have liked to change, even though I loved community pharmacy, was to have worked in the pharma industry as a rep, as a medical rep, which is what I advise every young pharmacist 
work in the pharma industry, if possible work in the multinational. Because what a multinational gives you, it, a multinational builds you and it gives you, um, how would I put it, it helps you when you work in an industry um, it, I wouldn't even call it yeah, a structure. I was, I was going to say regulated, but structure. That structure. It's um, remember how in biology you have a substrate and you can build on it. Yeah. That structure you need it to run a business in the future. So I always advise young pharmacists, if you can, a year or two work in. A multinational if you can get into a multinational it's not always about the cars and <laughs> i remember for us then it was about the cars you know you got a car once you came out of school you would join back so you get a car but it's also to look beyond the car and look at the structure of where you work it helps i remember i used to laugh at gsk and say oh you people have sops for sops but those sops actually they actually give you a structure which you can now implement, build on, and implement. All right, great. So these are just very rapid-fire questions we're going into now. So I would want to find out what would you term the best career advice you've received? Surround yourself with intelligent people. (laughs) So, So you definitely should not be the smartest in the room. Definitely. No. No. Okay. A good leader, but a good leader doesn't necessarily have to be the smartest in the room. So you need to I bring, don't have to be the smartest you need to in the room. bring smarter people into the room to get things going. Um, so, what one thing do you know now in running your business that you wish you knew when you started the business? What's up? <laughs> Oh no, um, what one thing do I know now? I wish yes. I knew. It's, it might be more than one thing, just, just anything that you feel oh, like. Okay, um, fully understanding the mission, the word vision and mission. Then I really didn't understand it and how much it drives you. I, I had that drive, but I didn't know what it was and I wish I knew more of it then you know what I understood that that is what it was and be able to build on it alright so is there one person I, I, I could hazard a guess but I would not but is there one person you would say that has kind of like significantly influenced your career Mrs. Onosa <laughs> you thought I was going to say my husband, right? I thought you were going to say your husband, actually. <laughs> Mrs. Onosoya. May her soul rest in peace. So that background at Bola Chemist yeah, was that really important. was very important. It was very, very important. So, if someone was... I like food, so I always ask <laughs> about food. So do I. <laughs> so, if you had a pot, a cooking pot now, you wanted to cook a successful career, a successful business, you need three ingredients to go into that pot. What would they be? Integrity. <laughs> perseverance. And a good vision. 
integrity, perseverance, a good vision. So it ties back into the person that has integrity, you persevere, and then you build relationships. So it's still always the same thing. That fiber on the person, call this person. I think that's what we we always try to see when I kind of when we do spotlight is to see. Who are these people? It's real people that build these real companies. And for people to be able to understand that this is the thought process around this person. And this is how maybe you kind of want to think if you're listening. <laughs> so <clears throat> if um, Mrs. Ilukwe from 20 years ago saw you today, uh, let me say 25 years, because it was around that time you started your career, right? So about 25 years ago, saw you today, and then she was looking down upon Mrs. Lukwe that is sitting right here today. What do you think she's Sorry, going to say to that you? Again. So if you, from 25 years ago, mm-hmm. sat across you now, yeah. and was looking at you, what do you think she would be saying to you? You've come a long way, baby. <laughs> you remember Charlie? <laughs> you probably don't know Charlie. <laughs> Charlie, they had the, it was, um, Charlie was like perfume that we all oh, used. Okay. And the tagline was, you've come a long way, baby. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, you've come a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So, um, is there any question you would have wanted me to ask? That I did not ask. I can't think of any. Can you? <laughs> mm, okay, no. So, so I just really wanted to p- p- pick that out and see. Um, so, but I would just track back a little bit, and I want to touch on something that I kind of maybe skimmed on, which is kind of like family and how. That might have been you had three young children going into business school. How was that? How were you able to manage that? Ooh. I forgot my wedding anniversary. <laughs> I forgot my children's birthday. And it, it, it was it, it was tough. It was tough, but not forgetting my wedding anniversary, I can't forget <laughs> because I had an exam or something. I had a test, and I was just rushing out of the house, and my husband was looking at me. And in my mind, I'm thinking, why is he looking at me? And then when I walked out the door, he says, "Happy anniversary." <laughs> yeah, did you say what? Did they ask? Did you ask me what was what? My low time. That was one of them. <laughs> When he said to me happy anniversary as I was walking out the door. But um it, it was it was having three young children and an MBA. It was challenging I guess when people say you have to find the balance, I don't know if you can actually ever really find the balance. I don't know. I don't think I have actually succeeded in getting that balance one always one has to give yeah one. for me i don't know there's some people who are just great at it but for me one has to give but, but would you say in any way would you say it has kind of like affected your relationship with maybe your children or your husband in the nah <laughs> so no. that's just something to be no. proud about to have no, people I... who are so understanding mm-hmm. 
for someone listening to this, if they could take away just one thing in this whole conversation we've had, past than 15 minutes plus mm. what would be that one thing you would not want someone to forget integrity is key integrity, integrity is, key. is key it makes people believe in you and um, I think it gives there's something I don't know if I'm always right but you can all Almost, I won't say always, you can almost always tell a sincere person when you meet the person. And you can almost always tell somebody that you can depend on when you meet the person. I may not be 100% right. (laughs) But you can pick it. Yeah. If it's, I, I also feel like if something is in you, you most likely will be able to pick that out from someone else when you kind of interact so <clears throat> i promised one hour i didn't want to overstretch more than the one hour so we'll stay within that time so thank you so much ma for speaking to me on this episode i am really grateful so at the end of every episode there is always a quote um the quote for this particular episode <clears throat> i tried to as much as possible to be deep <laughs> to kind of like <laughs> kind of like find a quote that resonates with the person and I think this one this one is one from one of my f- most favorite people in the world Chimamanda Ngozi oh Adichie. I love her <laughs> I've read all her books we didn't talk about that so, so mm. maybe we might have to have a follow-up conversation <laughs> yeah. so, starting with her for the yellow sun oh, it's... Uh, that, that's great so she said the fact that something is difficult or unlikely is not a it's not a reason not to try so just do it so that is the aspire to perspire for this episode (laughs) and and i hope someone holds on to that and holds on to the word that integrity is something you should never trade off of so if you enjoyed this episode of spotlight from psnypg why not leave us a rating everywhere you listen to podcasts and then also share the episode. I would always sing this. If you share the episode, more people can find us. More people can see what is being done. More people can benefit from this rich knowledge that is shared on the podcast. PSNYPG also has a newsletter. It is Farmer Buzz. You can subscribe by going to psnypg.substack.com. Also, don't forget to follow PSNYPG on Instagram and on Twitter. On Instagram, we are at PSNYPG. And on Twitter, we are at PSN-YPG. I know Medvac is also social. So. <laughs> Mark, can you share the handle for Medvac? Okay, so we'll put that in the show notes together with all the other information. We'll put the social media for Medvac and everywhere else you can actually find Medvac on the internet. Medvac is on the internet. You will find that. So we share that in the show notes. And then so until next time when I am back with another episode of Spotlight, you have been listening to the voice of pharmacist Bone Ilukwe and Nelson Uko. And I also always forget to say it. I'm a pharmacist too, right? And so thank you all so much for listening and um, I hope you enjoyed this one and that we see you in 
another episode. A final words, ma. Any last words? Thank you, everybody, and um, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank, Thank you, you so much, ma. <laughs>